Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some Super Bowl bets. I also enjoy that my teams have never been in it. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Fred to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash Fred. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Hope is here. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. This is Sunday Kickoff with Alex Barth and Sarone Battle. We hit, we win. We put pressure, we win. We penetrate, we win. Getting you ready for a long day of football coverage. The Pats, League News, betting lines, and game odds. Sunday kickoff on 98.5 The Sports Hub has it covered. Here are Alex Byth and Sarone Battle. Good morning and welcome in to the Sports Hub Sunday kickoff, February 25th here from our town here at Fair Tire Studios. It's Alex Barth along with Sarone Battle, Ryan Beaton behind the glass as we enter the busy season of the NFL offseason <laughs> combine coming up next week. Before you know it, it'll be free agency. Then we're rolling through pro days in the draft. So it is both a marathon and a sprint for the next month and a half, mm-hmm. Sarone. Uh, two months as we get going here. So a ton to talk about today. But uh, first, good morning. Good morning, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. It was uh, an interesting week. It was a real sign of how things have changed here mm-hmm. in New England in, in multiple ways. And we'll start there uh, on Wednesday. The Patriots held an introductory press conference for their coordinators. Gerard Mayo spoke as well. And then there was afterwards with the media and off the record meet and greet off the record in that, you know, we're allowed to say it happened, but, um, and just getting a chat with all the new coaches, which was yeah. in and of itself quite the experience. But it is uh, a new era. It is a, a, a new day in New England, certainly. And I think there's been mixed uh, reactions to mm-hmm. at least what we heard from the coaches in that in those public comments on Wednesday. I know Alex Van Pelt stands out the most probably to people, but Gerard Mayo had some notable quotes, and then Demarcus Covington and Jeremy Springer spoke as well. Uh, I, I just have one point I want to start on, Sarone, and then we yeah, can get right into ahead, specifics. Man. So a lot has been made about the size of the Patriots coaching staff. Mm-hmm. They have currently 21 coaches at the uh, general assistant level or higher. So that's yep. you know general offensive assistant, assistant positional coach, positional coach coordinator, and then Mayo. Uh They have 21 coaches. That is up from last year. It's up from 17. And Gerard Mayo actually said something about this that I think caught a lot of people off guard. So, Ryan, let's let's hear what he had to say. It seems like a fairly large staff. What what led you to think that this number is the best number? 
Yeah, you know, one thing we we wanted to make sure of is that we weren't duplicating roles. And so for for us, we were thinking about what value what value does this role uh, bring to the team? Now, for historically, we've always had small staffs, and I mean, it's hard to get things done that way in today's NFL. We weren't really thinking about you know, the size, we weren't thinking, we were just thinking about how can we make this staff as good as it can be. Now, look, honestly, uh, after talking to a lot of coaches, your first year coaching, like you hope you put together the best staff, but realistically, I mean, it's a process. So a couple Hmm. things from that. First, right off the bat, he says, we've had small staffs. It's hard to get things done that way in today's NFL. We Hmm. weren't really thinking about the size. Those are a little contradictory. To me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I understand why some people see that as a shot at Belichick. I totally understand that. Here's what I'll say. The Patriots did have small staffs under Belichick. That's just a, a fact. You can't yeah. dispute that. They had a 17-coach staff last year to start the year. It was already the smallest. And then, remember, they lost two coaches during the year. Mm-hmm. Adrian Clem had to take the medical leave of absence, and Ross Douglas went to Syracuse. So... Now they're up to, I think I said 21 off the top. I apologize. It's 22. 22 uh, coaches. That's still about league. That's still under league average. The league average last year was 23. Where most teams had 24 coaches or more. So they they have a bigger staff. They don't still have a small. big staff. right? The Raiders released theirs this week. I think they have like 27, 28, something like that. It might have been more than that. Um, it's not, and and I feel kind of, you know, ridiculous saying this, having started off the show with it, people need to start, stop freaking out about the size of the staff. It's they they didn't drag, you know, every single person they could get into the building. It's a pretty average size NFL coaching staff at this point. It's just, it had been on the smaller side and the smallest the last few years that it feels like so much more. I think when it's, this Mm -hmm. is more or less what teams just do now. Yeah, I think a, a lot of things when it comes to Boston sports is we kind of put a wall up around our teams and we we judge them against our own expectations as opposed to what's going on around the rest of the league. Like like you said, if people knew that the Raiders had 27 coaches, I don't think the Patriots coaching size would have been a factor. If people knew how many coaches teams really had, it, it wouldn't be such a big deal, but they're basing it off of what Bill did compared to what's going on now. It's more than what Bill had, but it's not, like you said, it's not as much as others. And I can see how people take that as a shot at Bill, the way he said it. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, like you said, it's it was a very contradictory thing to say that you can't win with a small coaching staff, but then yet you still have a small coaching staff compared to everybody else. But, I mean, it, it's, it's an interesting thing, but I, mean, I understand him being a new head coach. Bill knew right. so much about football. He knew everything. I, I don't need... I don't need 28 guys around me. I know this. I know that. I've coached several positions on the field. I know what I'm doing here. Whereas, like you said, new head coach, you mentioned the Raiders, new head coach. I need as many guys around me as possible to get this thing right <laughs> so I can keep my job for the next two years at least. And then we'll, we'll we'll think about cutting it down later. So I get that. But if they do everything right, I don't think people will really care how many guys are there, to be honest with you. It's all about wins and losses at this point. No, it's, it's a great point that Bill Belichick could cover up so much of, you know, he could do what three or four coaches could do. Yes. And you're just not going to get that, which you're not going to get it with anybody. Forget Gerard Mayo. You're not going to yeah. get it with anybody. So I'm not, no. I I don't think Mayo did himself any favors in the way that he worded that. 
which, you know, he's also part of being a new coach. He's got to kind of learn the whole, yeah. you know, he's spoken to the media before. He's hardly new. To, he was in the media. But when you're the head coach, it's just everything you yeah. say holds a little bit more weight, right? But yeah. um, just, I, just I felt like that was one of the biggest stories of the week, which I found interesting um, when you add the context to it. Anything else uh, in particular stand out to you, whether it be for Mayo, Van Pelt, Covington, Springer, that you really uh, feel strongly about? Well, there's a couple things with Van Pelt, but there's something I wanted to ask you real quick, with you being down there at the, with the press conferences yeah. and the introductions, whatever you want to call it. What was the vibe for you? How did you feel around those guys? Did it feel like a new building? That it feel like okay, like you, did it feel like it was your first day on the job somewhere as opposed to what you've been used to? Like, what was the vibe like around those new coaches? It did feel new. It did feel new. And look, I think a part of that simply is we'd never had an event like that before. And I don't even mean oh, the media doesn't get access. Blah blah blah. I'm so upset. No, I mean. They've never hired three new coordinators in one offseason. Okay. And even when they hire coordinators, they don't introduce them. So in that sense, it felt new. There was a level of also like, wow, they're being you know, pretty open with us. And, and it, there wasn't that kind of game of back and forth. Uh, so that element of it felt new. I will say the biggest thing, if we're just going to go on like, the, the biggest feeling I had coming away is I think everybody's on the same page. Mm-hmm. And not just that, I think they all they all get it. I think there's an understanding that there was a common theme about putting players in a position to succeed. Mm-hmm. And Van Pelt had a bunch on this where he even said, like, the scheme's the scheme. It doesn't matter, right? If 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 your players don't fit it yeah. and you're yeah. asking players to do things they can't do, it's not going to matter. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not breaking any news here when I say the Patriots won't have the most talented roster in the NFL in 2024. Mm-hmm. They probably won't for a few years. Like, ideally, they get there. Ideally, Elliot Wolf gets them there. But even still, that's a three, four-year project of the best roster in the NFL. So for them to improve and make some noise, they're going to have to punch above their weight class here. Yeah. And the way you do that is something they were so good at for so long, and I think they lost their way in this regard the last few years, is find identify players that maybe aren't on the general radar because they're not as well-rounded, but find guys that do certain things very well and build around <laughs> the, maximizing those skill sets. And again, guys like two guys I always use as an example of this are James White and Kyle Van Noy. Mm-hmm. Like James White, and, and don't get me wrong, James White's a great player, but you weren't going to use him like your traditional running back. He was great because they put him in a role that allowed him to maximize his skill sets, and he was among the best pass-catching running backs in the league. And, get, you know, on getting to the outside, they weren't running him between the tackles 20 mm-hmm. times a game because that wasn't what he did. There's nothing wrong with that. Kyle Van Noy, same way. He was miscast in Detroit. He comes here. They put him on the edge. They just tell him to, you know, kind of just set the edge on early downs. And his role grew from there. But he was very good at that. And he elevated that defense by doing that one thing. Mm-hmm. It's something I think they got away from the last few years. I feel like everybody there now understands to get back to being competitive with where the roster is going to be. They really have to be in tune with who the players on the team are and make sure that they're building to their strengths and the roster is set up around their strengths, which is encouraging. That's going to rub some people the wrong way and say, well, why can't they just get more talented? They can. That's going to be the plan. But it's going to take a while. (laughs) Right. That takes time. So you can still be competitive in the meantime. You should always be maximizing what your players do. And that felt Mm -hmm. like a very common theme. Uh, I know – 
I'm trying to remember who who the Patriots coach was. I think it was Cam Accord used to use it. And it's not just a Cam Accord phrase. Like, lots of coaches use it. But it's Jimmys and Joes, not X's and O's. Mm-hmm. Right? If you put the players in a – if you have good players and you let the players do what they're good at, you're going to be okay. You're going to be at least okay. And I think there's a good understanding of that down there right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, listen to Van Pelt's, you know, his press conference. And he said – together about 17 times and then yeah <laughs> and he also mentioned the whole thing about all oh, kind of people kept asking about scheme 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 and it pretty much was the players are going to dictate what we run the talent is going to dictate who we have and you know a lot of people kept bringing up the fact that they ran the, the type of offense they ran in cleveland and i started thinking about okay did they want to run that offense did they build to run that type of offense or did they say hey look man we got Chubb back here. We got a decent offensive line. Our quarterback situation is a little iffy. Maybe we can be a run-heavy team and be a dominant team on the ground. Did the talent dictate the kind of offense they ran there? And it seems like that's the that's the uh, a theme. But the thing he kept saying a lot was the talent. We, right. We're not sure yet. We're going to let the the players decide. Not let the players decide. It's not exact words, but the talent that they bring in or that's there is going to determine what kind of team they're going to be, what kind of identity they're going to have. And I think that's. It's kind of, I want to say refreshing, but I think it's kind of cool that instead of saying we're going to do this and we're going to force Pop Douglas and Kendrick Bourne to do this type of offense as opposed to, okay, let's build this around what we have here and let's not try and, like you said, let's not try and have Alex Barth do something that he's not used to doing and put him out of position. It's going to make us all look bad. So I think the talent they pick up in the draft, the talent they get in free agency, I think we'll all kind of get a sense of, okay, this is what they're trying to do, and this is what they're going to end up doing once we see the players come in and out of here. But they all scream togetherness and being on the same page. It's like a big unity speech you know, from everybody. <laughs> and I think that's it's pretty interesting to see from this team. And after hearing some of the stories about how the, how things started off last year, how everybody wasn't on the same page, you know, I think this is kind of refreshing. And I, I think there's a happy medium to it, too. I think you can yes. have a, a, a base scheme. And then mm-hmm. within that, all right, we're going to get these guys. We'll tailor it a little bit this way. I think that's what they did last year in Cleveland when they went through all mm-hmm. the injuries. And that's part of what makes Alex Van Pelt. I think when you talk about the pluses in his hire, the fact that he can be so versatile, the fact that he can make his offense work in different ways, there is inherent value in that. Mm-hmm. And I think for a team that's starting from the ground up, that's especially true because you're going to have to put the piece in place. Now, the quarterback's ultimately going to dictate it more than anything else. Yes. The quarterback's going to dictate what the offense looks like more than anything else, and we got a little bit of a window into what the (laughs) Patriots are going to be looking for in that quarterback from Alex Van Pelt. We'll talk about that next here on the Sports Up Sunday kickoff. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some Super Bowl bets. I also enjoy that my teams have never been in it. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Fred to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash Fred. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire 
expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Hope is here. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Hey, it's Greg Bedard. Can you believe it? Two years ago, I took that crucial step. I called Awaken 180. I'd been hearing hosts on this station and even some buddies of mine going on about their amazing results. And I watched them transform before my eyes. I won't lie, seeing that scale hit 300 pounds was my personal red flag. I remember thinking, okay, time to see if Awaken 180 is what it's cracked up to be. And let me tell you, post that consultation, there were no high-pressure sales, no gimmicks. I simply got it. It made sense. In just a few months, just one football season, I was down a whopping 100 pounds. That's three digits. Now here I am, two years later, still running strong and impressing my doctor at each visit. If you're still contemplating a change, consider Awaken 180. Call 844-346-1800. That's 844-346-1800. Or online at awaken180weightloss.com. Alex Barth and Sarone Battle are here. Talking football every Sunday morning with the insiders and with you. It's Sunday kickoff on 98.5 The Sports Hub. What specifically are you looking for? What traits do you like? What do you want to see? And, and a quarterback you might have to work with going forward. Sure. Um, you know, again, just goes back to decision-making, accuracy, you know, the fundamentals and mechanics of the guy's sound. Big one, again, is leadership. Was he a four, three-year captain? You know, why wasn't he a captain? So all that really plays together. Um, the big piece for me is the, the leadership, the toughness, the accuracy, and the decision-making. You, you, could, you could switch them in either way, but the, all four are, are super important. Background Sports on Sunday kickoff. Alex Bartz, her own battle. Talking uh, Patriots for now. We'll get into some of the news around the league coming up. NFL Combine this week as well. You want to join us, 617-779-0985. That was Alex Van Pelt. Asked what he's looking for in a quarterback. And and it was reported when he was hired, this was a few weeks ago, that he's going to have a say, a good say in what the Patriots ended up doing in quarterback. I don't think final say, but he's somebody they're definitely going to listen to. So he was actually asked twice because as you heard there from his, his first answer, it was very much talking about leadership. Mm-hmm. And again, I'll, I'll go back through part of that answer. Smart, tough, a leader. I mean, obviously there's accuracy in the past game, mobility and decision-making. The physical attributes are obviously important, but if a guy's a great leader and come in and make good decisions and throw the ball accurately, those are all pluses. And then, Van Pelt's asked the second time, and he kind of says the same thing, but he gets more into physical traits here, Ryan. Here's the second answer. Describe your idea. Uh, smart, tough, you know, and a leader. You, know, you put them in those categories. I mean, obviously there's accuracy in the pass game and mobility and um, decision-making. There's a lot that goes into it. But at, at the end of the day, that, that – that that role is such an important role for the rest, not just the offense, for the team as well. So uh, a guy that's a, a true leader that can come in and, and, and really, um, you know, understands his teammates and gets the best out of those guys. Um, you know, the, the physical attributes are obviously important, um, but if a guy is a great leader and can come in and, and make good decisions and throw the ball accurately, those are all pluses. But the guys that I've been around uh, that are the great players, often the best leaders uh, and the most competitive guys as well. 
So here's the traits we have from Van Pelt, and I wrote something about this on 98.5thesportshub.com if you want to go check it out, and I kind of broke down each trait, and, and I just did it from the, the point of view of the draft. We'll get into free agent quarterbacks in a little bit. We'll do that in the next segment, but just in, in the view of the draft, because you figure they're going to draft somebody. Mm-hmm. And I went, th- I took Caleb Williams out because he's going first overall, but I took most of the traits that Van Pelt mentioned and I ranked the top three quarterbacks at each. So I did intelligence, okay. decision-making, like football intelligence, decision-making, toughness, accuracy, mobility, and throwing mechanics. I didn't do leadership because that's very subjective, and that's not something you can necessarily see on tape. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's going and And people say, oh, well, this coach said this guy's a great leader, and this guy's teammate said he's a great leader. <laughs> that's what everybody says this time of year. Like, it's it's tough to put stock <laughs> into that. So, uh, you know, I went through and I ranked them, but again, intelligence – Decision-making, toughness, accuracy, mobility, mechanics. And then if you want to throw the leadership quotient in, just in terms of experience in that role, mm-hmm. to me, Sir, and, and look, it's not a perfect match, and I'm not saying this is definitely who they're going to take, but I put those Van, two Van Pelt answers together, and then I kind of look at the Venn diagram and who, who in the draft <laughs> you know, fits that the most. It sounds like Michael Penix to me. It does. That's 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 a good one. That's some good math there, Alex. That's... Yeah, because, again, you go, I mean, intelligence, he's seen a ton of football. He generally makes good decisions. That drops off a little bit when he's under pressure, but he generally makes good decisions. Obviously, tough as, you know, tough as they come to deal with the injuries he's dealt with. And he played through what looked like some sort of rib injury in the national championship. Very mm-hmm. accurate, especially with the deep ball. Is more mobile than people realize. I, I yeah. you know, he's not Jane Daniels. I'm not saying he's the best at all of these. And his mechanics are good if you can get past the fact that he's a lefty. Mm-hmm. So I, I actually, it's funny. I, I did something on the website where, like I said, I ranked the three, top three of each, and I actually gave them points for their ranking. Now, very imperfect science because we don't know how much Van Pelt is weighing each individual one. Mm-hmm. The gap between players is different for different traits, like the gap in mobility right, from Jaden Daniels to Drake May is very different than the gap in, say, uh, toughness for Michael Penix to Bo Nix. But I actually got Jaden Daniels as the best fit. Michael Penix was very close at second, and then Drake May and Bo Nix tied as a distant third. But I don't know. I heard all those traits. That, to me, sounded like Michael Penix. He was the first quarterback that came to mind for me. Yeah, he is Michael Penix. Look, I mean, so many people making so much of the game against Michigan. And the, the reality is Michigan did that to everybody. That's why they were national champs. They made everybody look bad. That was That's who they were, and they ran the ball so much to the offense couldn't get back on the field. But Penix, I think, showed, like you said, the mobility. It wasn't that he was running around like Michael Vick in some of those in the, the playoff games last year. It was him creating space to get guys more time downfield. Yeah, he missed some throws here or there, but Michael Penix is a very good quarterback, extremely accurate quarterback. And I don't know if you saw it. Someone took a clips of him against Michigan and Texas and they flipped the screen. So he looked like he was right-handed and the mechanics didn't look bad at all. Like once you got over the fact that he's lefty, like you said, but Penix was good, but I looked at Jaden Daniels as well. Jaden Daniels would be 72% of his passes. Didn't turn the ball over hardly at all. I think Bo Nix still only had like two interceptions too, but Daniels only had a couple interceptions, very mobile quarterback. And I thought of, as he was saying those things about the type of quarterbacks, I looked at, I don't know how much he played into getting Deshaun Watson, 
But I look at Deshaun Watson as that type of quarterback. When he's healthy, Deshaun right. Watson is extremely mobile, extremely accurate with the football, and has a very powerful arm downfield. He was dangerous when he had DeAndre Hopkins. But I'm wondering, is he looking for that type of quarterback as well? And a guy that moves but moves to look down, look downfield as opposed to just taking off. And I didn't have Penix at the top. I had Jaden Daniels when I was listening to him. But I can clearly see how you went with, went with Penix there, and especially with being a captain and a leader, all that stuff. Yeah. Those are all the things they said about that kid from day one. The, I, I will say to play devil's advocate with Penix on the Michigan game that they did that to everybody because they're an NFL defense. And that's the kind yeah. of defense that he's going to face at the next mm-hmm. level, and he has to be ready to face at the next level. But it's interesting you mentioned Deshaun Watson. You, when I heard him go through that, maybe it's just or, – or it wouldn't be recency bias. That's the wrong phrase. But uh, Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. I think Baker Mayfield okay. checks a lot of those boxes, too. So yeah. if we're going off of that, my comp mm-hmm. for Baker in the draft has been Bo Nix. Yeah. And I don't think it's a perfect one-for-one comp. I think Baker is a much more explosive player uh, than Bo Nix is, but I think that's as close as you get. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see, though, how that tracks. And again, it, it, it's an imperfect science, right? Oh, he, yeah. He course. didn't mention some very key quarterback traits. He didn't mention size. Which, if you throw size in the factor, Drake, you know, that favors Drake May. He didn't mention arm strength, which would favor a guy like Drake May. Or maybe he doesn't care about that stuff. I would think after going through five quarterbacks last year, he wants a guy who's going to be able to take care of himself and be more durable. And that's big knocks against both Michael Penix because of his injury history and Jane Daniels for his size. And mm-hmm. at the same time, for both of those guys, massive, massive week coming up for both of them. For mm-hmm. Penix, the phys- he'll get you know physicals, he'll get the medical testing at the combine, and for Daniels, the weigh-in is he starting to bulk up? Is he if he did? Is he still moving well? Is he still testing well? If mm-hmm. he's bulked up, teams are going to look at that because the reality is you can say it's fair or not. Teams look at a first-round pick as an investment and as a long-term investment. If you're not confident a guy can stay healthy you're going to seriously think twice about making a long-term investment in that player. It doesn't matter how good he is if he's not playing. That doesn't help you at all. Yeah. So for and, both and of those guys, massive week. Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm saying you're not going to risk your job for somebody. He gets hurt, all of a sudden everybody's fired in New England. Right. So That's what just happened <laughs> to Van Pelt. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you, you you hit the nail on the head. This this week is going to be pretty huge. I think Daniels is listed at, at 210 right now. Well, yeah, it's 210, 215, depending where you look. Yeah, and I wonder, like you said, will he get over that 220 line before he gets to the combine? Has he been, you know, hitting the weights and eating? And again, if he does that, does he drop? Does his 40 time drop from a 44? Now he's a 48 guy because he put on a bunch of weight. And how much difference does that make? And but I think there's going to be guys that are going to go to the combine this week and who are going to light it up with the physicals. They're just going to improve their draft, draft stock dramatically. But I think it's a big week also for Drake May because we haven't seen him really since Thanksgiving right. around that time. We haven't seen Drake May in a long time. So I think this is a chance for him to – not saying his draft stock fell or anything, but I think this is a chance for him to remind people who he is and show people that don't realize how athletic Drake May really is. Duke can get out and move. He can move. He's very much like Josh Allen when he gets out. He's very strong. He's going to try and make a play happen. And I think this is a chance for people to get to see him again. But this is a big week for both of those guys. I think Caleb Williams already said he's number one. But I think Penix, Bo Nix, Drake May, all those guys have a chance to really show people what they're really all about this week for those who don't know. 
Yeah, I, I do wonder, and, and there's some speculation whether or not Drake May and Jaden Daniels were te- will test because of where their stock is. But you know, when you say Drake May's stock has fallen, I mean from two to three isn't a, a fall, yeah, as not- a lot of people <laughs> would put it. But, you know, with all the talk about Jaden Daniels going second overall, does Drake May come out with that mindset of, hey, I've got it. You know, I'm going to remind everybody. And I think there's a little, I wonder if there's a little bit of a game of chicken here where, it doesn't help. It, there's a big risk if one tests and the other doesn't test between mm-hmm. May and Daniels. But them both testing might be mutually beneficial. So, oh yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying it. they'll sit down in a room and say, so are we going to test or not? But again, yeah. it's a little bit of a game of chicken where, you know, if one says they're testing, the other one probably does. But if the other one doesn't, now you're the only one that tests. And if you test poorly, that could really hurt you. It hurt you, right? So it's going to be interesting to see how that that dynamic plays out. Yeah, um, I wonder will the out of sight, out of mind thing really help either one of them? Like, just don't do it. Just stay. Just don't do anything to ruin your chances right now, and then just go out there. But I understand with with, with Daniels, he the 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 his measurements, his weight, and all that stuff is a big part of his story. So I think for that part, he has to show. Does he do all the drills? I don't know. But I think he has to go out there. If he put on weight, yeah, to go out there and show that, show everybody, hey, look at me, look at me now. And look, if he checks in at two twenty and still runs a four or five, I think he's, yeah, he's second going. pick. I, I, yeah, yeah I, I don't see how you, <laughs> you, you second guess it at that point. <laughs> Will he be there for the Patriots? Will they want to take a quarterback at three? What should the quarterback plan be this offseason? That next, plus your calls here on the Sports Up Sunday kickoff. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is mostly about watching the game. Uh, having some food and some stuff. Yeah, great. Okay. I want to watch the game, but I also want to bet on the game. And I want to bet on other things in and around the game. Yeah, I'm the guy who will bet the anthem length. I'll place a wager or two or ten. That's what makes it so great on FanDuel because you can bet so many different ways on the Super Bowl. And new customers join today. You'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of five dollars or more wins fanduel.com slash hardy fanduel.com slash hardy make every moment more with fanduel an official sportsbook partner of the nfl 21 plus and present in massachusetts ten dollar first deposit required bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt see terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com hope is here gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24 7 support play it smart from the start gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234 Hey, it's Greg Bedard. Can you believe it? Two years ago, I took that crucial step. I called Awaken 180. I'd been hearing hosts on this station and even some buddies of mine going on about their amazing results, and I watched them transform before my eyes. I won't lie, seeing that scale hit 300 pounds was my personal red flag. I remember thinking, okay, time to see if Awaken 180 is what it's cracked up to be. And let me tell you, post that consultation, There were no high-pressure sales, no gimmicks. I simply got it. It made sense. In just a few months, just one football season, I was down a whopping 100 pounds. That's three digits. Now here I am, two years later, still running strong and impressing my doctor at each visit. If you're still contemplating a change, consider Awaken 180. Call 844-346-1800. That's 844-346-1800 or online at awaken180weightloss.com. You're listening to Sunday Kickoff with Alex Barth and Zerone Battle on your station for the best football coverage. 98.5 The Sports Hub. 
Yeah, I mean, when you're looking at teams like New England, for instance, because Washington, we're, we're assuming, and I think appropriately so, they're going to fulfill their quarterback needs with their draft choice. Mike. And it may just be that rich teams take their shot in free agency, and if they're left without a quarterback, that creates an even greater urgency to go draft one. There are pros and cons to both approaches. You get a proven commodity in free agency, but it's going to be more expensive than what that slotted rookie contract will cost, even if it's the first overall pick. It's nothing compared to what it costs to go out and sign a really good player in free agency. So there's a lot of different ways teams can go. You know, on one hand, it's very good to have a lot of choices. The problem is at some point you got to choose one. Choose one, exactly. At a certain point, no half measures at quarterback. And I think that's something the Patriots need to pay attention to this offseason. It's Alex Barth and Sarone Battle here on the Sports Hub Sunday kickoff. Before we get to the quarterback, though, Bob and Winthrop called in. He has a question on the offensive line. Bob, how's it going? Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Sarone. Really enjoyed listening to you guys all season long and now into the offseason. You, you both do a great job. Absolutely. Um, I'm just, this is kind of inside football, not the sexiest conversation, but offensive line play is obviously a key for the Patriots improving. Now, Cole Strange is six foot six, very athletic. He struggled at guard from time to time in his first two years. Is the possibility exist that you could kick him out the tackle and maybe he'd be more productive out there? Because he kind of profiles as a tackle, being as tall and athletic as he is. Thanks, fellas. Enjoy listening. You know, problem, Bob. I, I, I just think. Some of the reasons he struggled at guard, some of the footwork issues are just going to be exacerbated if he's a tackle. I think if you're moving Cole Strange, it's inside to center. If David Andrews retires, which I don't think is happening this year, I'd leave him at guard for now, personally. And I think he's going to be a better fit for some of what Alex Van Pelt wants to do. I I think that'll be the biggest help to him. We'll just be simply, they're going to run more things that fit his skill set. Uh, Saron, if you have a thought on Cole Strange at guard. Yeah, sorry about that. I, had, you my, I was I've muted there a little okay. bit. If you, <laughs> if you have, like you said, if he has footwork issues at guard and you try and kick him out there to right tackle, let's just say, now he's out in space trying to, you know, with footwork is key right. along with strength and size. If you get him out there and, and also becomes a turnstile, you, you don't want him in that situation. But like you said, with the philosophy of these guys coming in and what they like to do, it might be a chance for him to shine. This might be a time. It might be a perfect situation for him saying, "Oh, good. I'm glad I get to really show off what I can do under these guys." So I think you leave him there, and then you you come up with another solution at them tackles positions. The other thing is the general cutoff for arm length of tackles, 33 inches in the NFL. There's only been two tackles drafted in the first round in the last 10 years with under 33 inch arms. Cole Strange is right at that mm. threshold at 33 inches, so doesn't. He's bigger, but the reach doesn't. His reach doesn't necessarily match up with his frame. So yeah, just he needs NBA big. You need somebody with <laughs> Jason Tatum arms. <laughs> Let me put it this way: Patrick Paul, who I took in my mock draft, thirty-seven inch arms. Okay, there you go. I mean, he yeah, he he can just envelop people. So it's a, a, a little bit different. Uh, back to the quarterbacks, though. We were talking about the quarterbacks in the last segment in the draft, and. I think that's the way a lot of people have assumed it will go. Look, I would be surprised if they walk out of this draft without a quarterback. Forget the the situation as it exists. Elliot Wolf just comes from 
a Packers front office where the philosophy is you take a quarterback at least every other year, if not every year. So what they've always done, they did it with Rodgers, they did it with Favre. Maybe you're taking guys in the sixth or seventh round, but you're always adding at that position just in case. So even if, you know, well, even if Mac Jones was locked in as the starter, I still th- I still think there'd be a good chance they'd take a quarterback. Now, we wouldn't be talking about third overall, and if Mac Jones played well enough to be locked in as the starter, they wouldn't be picking third overall, so it's a moot point. But mm-hmm. like they're going to take a quarterback here. The question is, what does that look like with the rest of the offseason? Now, it sounds like Baker's going back to Tampa. I don't think he's on the board. Yeah, he's I don't the, think they let him out. He, and they, they shouldn't. He's the only guy to me. So I, I think the Patriots need to come out of this offseason with a long-term answer at quarterback. Mm-hmm. And by long-term, I mean at least three to four years. At least, yeah. hey, we're going to, you know, if you draft somebody, we're going to give this guy his rookie contract and see. That is not Spencer Rattler on day two. That is not J.J. McCarthy on day two. Oh, this guy's a project. We're going to pair him with a veteran, and, you know, we'll see how the veteran does, and we'll probably turn it over to the rookie later in the year and see it. No, those are not franchise quarterback ceiling guys. That's not a long-term issue. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a band-aid. They need to come out yeah. with a long-term answer. And I think at this point, it's trending more and more towards it's going to have to be in the draft. Yeah. I mean, it's, I want the draft. I want the, I want them to take quarterback at three. Yeah. I want them. I, I believe not just for like, I've, I've said many times on here before, not just for the, the on-field part of it. This team is had hit the reset button. They need a face. They have no face of this franchise. I think a wide receiver doesn't do that for you. A tackle doesn't do it for you. If I'm ownership, I'm looking at it through the marketing lens a little bit. Like, okay, I need a guy. I need some guy. That I, I, I can. He's my hope. This is my future right here. I need a quarterback, and I think you need to do that in the first round. Now, that does does that mean bring in? You know, you you heard uh, uh, RG three mention Russell Wilson's name, and. Yeah, as long as I still get my quarterback in the first round, you know, I I still need my guy. I'm not taking, you said, I'm not taking guy in the third round and bringing in a Russell Wilson and hoping, like you said, Spencer Rattler or somebody works out. No, I still want my quarterback. And yeah, if you want to bring a veteran in to kind of show this guy the ropes, work ethic, all those other things, how to live his life off the field, fine. I get that. But I still want my future franchise quarterback that's going to be doing dunking ads in another year or so and be on <laughs> Billboard downtown Boston. I want that guy. And I think they need that for not just on the field, but off the field as well. This team needs the fans need something to hold on to and believe in going forward. And I don't think a third round pick, a fourth round pick quarterback is going to do that for you. So I just wonder, and, and I, I, I agree with you on on that, that last point. I, 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 I what's Russell Wilson going to cost? That's he's going to take up a lot of your cap space, it, yeah. right? And and what's a guy like Kirk? Kirk Cousins is going to be thirty five million a year. Kirk yeah. Cousins is going to be almost half your cap space. I want to. I I don't want to. Eh. I don't. <laughs> let me try that again. I don't want to repeat the mistakes of the past mm-hmm. in not giving my quarterback every chance to succeed. Paying Kirk Cousins thirty five million dollars, paying Russell Wilson twenty million dollars yeah. to be a You're mentor on them. <laughs> When you could give that money, add another receiver, add a tackle, add a second running back, right, to to spell with Ramondre Stevenson, you can get other guys that can be mentors to me. Mm-hmm. So I, I and I want them to have a veteran. I, I want Mac Jones talked about how valuable Brian Hoyer was to him mm-hmm. as a rookie, and I want them to have that guy. 
I do think there's something to, and I always joke, it's like pairing, you know, wines and food. You want a, a quarterback, a veteran quarterback in the room who's a similar player. So you go through mm-hmm. you, you go through the list and you go, all right, Drake May, can you get Ryan Tannehill for five million a year? Because I think there's some similarities between Ryan Tannehill back when he was, you know, good. Yeah. And Drake May, and not only can he help him with life as an NFL quarterback, but he knows stylistically what he's trying to do. I go through, I look at uh, Jane Daniels. Can you get a guy like Tyrod Taylor in here to mentor mm-hmm. him? Similar play style. Yeah. Michael Penix, to me, is, you know, you put him with Drew Locke or Jameis Winston. By the way, how fun would a quarterback room of Michael Penix and Jameis Winston be? How electric. <laughs> James Winston in the Boston media would be hilarious. Oh, it'd be such a good time. I love James personally. I I, I, I never thought he should have been the first overall pick. And like, I didn't love him as a prospect, but that guy can play for me. I'll find a role for that guy. And again, like that mentor thing. Cause I, he just, he loves football. He thinks he's a good locker room guy. I think guys like playing with him. Um, now Jacoby Versett's kind of an interesting one. Cause his play style to me exists somewhere between Drake May and Jaden Daniels. Mm-hmm. I think you could realistically have him, or honestly, Michael, I think Jacoby is just a logical answer as a mentor in yeah. general. He's a good dude. He's, he's such a smart guy, good right? Person. Good yeah. guy. He was with Van Pelt. I think ultimately it's going to end up being Brissett, whoever they draft. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I do think there is room for veteran. I do think you bring in a veteran, even if one way or the other, whether you, you plan on your rookie starting 17 games, which is you're drafting him third overall, you probably do. Or even if you say, like, I know nobody's going to get excited about watching Ryan Tannehill start games for the Patriots. I'm not sitting here saying I am. But if you look at Jane Daniels and you say he needs a month, right? He needs a month. Yeah. If I had to put it with a month of Ryan Tannehill or a month of Tyrod Taylor to get that guy to where he needs to be, I'm fine with that. So what the Chargers did with Justin Herbert. Remember Tyrod Taylor was supposed to start yeah. Herbert's whole rookie year, and then the training staff stabbed him in the lung. And that's how Justin Herbert took over. But I forgot about that. Oh my god. It's crazy that he doesn't own the Chargers now after that happened. I mean literally oh, he sued them. Yeah. And whatever he but got he wasn't enough. Yeah, yeah. Right, there's no number they can write on a a napkin is not big enough to write the, the amount of money he should have got for that. Kind of a tangent, like personally, I like Tyrod Taylor. I actually think he was a decent and he's, you know, at this point he's 35. He's not what he was. Yeah. Back in the day, Tyrod Taylor was a decent quarterback. No, he wasn't as bad as they he, as made him out to be. He just always ended up – he was hurt. the anti-Ryan Fitzpatrick. Remember, everywhere Ryan Fitzpatrick went, the starter would get hurt. Yeah. And he'd jump in, or the starter would get benched, and he'd jump in, and he'd lead the team. <laughs> Tyrod Taylor was the opposite. We're like, he'd get off to this promising start. He'd be like, oh, look he'd at Tyrod hurt. Taylor. And he'd yeah. get some freak injury. Yep. Or the training staff would injure him. <laughs> and it would – and then he'd get replaced by some really good – he got replaced by uh, – I think, it was, I think it was Josh Allen that replaced him in Buffalo. Josh Allen in Buffalo, yeah. Justin Herbert with the Chargers. I think it was Baker in <laughs> Cleveland. Like, he just kept ending up in these horrible situations. But, look, yeah. maybe he's the key. Maybe that says something about how, what a great mentor he is. Then yeah, look at he, all these guys that came after him. So Yeah, look at and they all the, the He keeps popping up everywhere. So, I mean, they, they respect him and want him around. So, that might be a good call on you as a guy that they can bring in as just, a, a, like you said, a locker room guy. Just some, right. some stability in there. Somebody that understands – you know how things are running. And now, like you said, being a little old, he's not as mobile as he used to be. But in his young days, he absolutely can show them how to run that type of offense. Right. That's the kind of guy he was in his young day. 
And I was he in Cleveland with Van Pelt? I should know this. I had the take, but I because he was in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I just don't remember what year that was. Uh, he was not. No, it was 2018. So it was a little before Van Pelt. But um, again, like it, I, I do think there's room for veteran quarterback. I do. I just I'm not paying Kirk Cousins 35 million dollars. And look, if, if if Russ ends up coming in at like seven or eight million, fine. Yeah. To work with a guy, I specifically like Drake. Now, Drake May is much bigger in stature, but I actually think they sort of approach the game similarly. Mm-hmm. They my move, a- they run to throw. They don't. Right. They're not taking off. Yeah. My, my actual comp, actually, for for Russell Wills, I think that that's my like base comp for Caleb Williams. I just think those two are incredibly similar. Yeah, that's but a good call. If if Russell Wilson will come in for like seven eight million dollars, but if he's trying to go somewhere and be a starter and still be the guy, let him go to Atlanta. Let it let Atlanta pay him fifteen million dollars. I'm not paying Russell Wilson fifteen million dollars for a month. It's, it's funny you just said said Atlanta, and as you said it, I'm like, oh, he's married to Sierra. That would be perfect. That's he would absolutely go to Atlanta and play for the Falcons and retire with his wife's hometown. I mean, now that you said that, I'm like, oh, yeah, Russell Wilson's going to Atlanta. I think you just. You just dropped a woes bomb on us. He's he's gone. To, he's gone to the Falcons. It makes so much sense now. But sorry about that. It just, it just no, it's fine. Came to my head. Yeah, no, I mean, that was my day. It just it let, let Atlanta. Atlanta yeah. can do that kind of thing because they have such an impressive roster built up around yeah, the quarterback gone. position. He's going to Atlanta. You just nailed it. That's, there you go. That's, put the breaking news up. It, Barf, Russell Wilson is here. <laughs> back to Atlanta. It it only <laughs> makes sense. It it's perfect. Good job, Ryan. Uh, I want to get back to the free agency stuff because there are other positions we got to talk about. But there were two new episodes of the Dynasty and uh, Astro, and I, we we got to talk about these because <laughs> last week loved them, super nostalgic, all that. A little different take this week. A little different take this week. We'll get to that next. Plus, your calls here on the Sports Hub Sunday kickoff. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. What do I love most about Super Bowl Sunday? It's the game, it's the food, it's the ads, it's the wagers I can make on the FanDuel app. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a dub, or two, or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored and so much more new customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins just visit fanduel.com slash stewart to sign up that's fanduel.com slash stewart make every moment more with fanduel an official sportsbook partner of the nfl 21 plus and present in massachusetts $10 first deposit required bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt see terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com hope is here gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24 7 support play it smart from the start game or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Hey, it's Greg Bedard. Can you believe it? Two years ago, I took that crucial step. I called Awaken 180. I'd been hearing hosts on this station and even some buddies of mine going on about their amazing results, and I watched them transform before my eyes. I won't lie. Seeing that scale hit 300 pounds was my personal red flag. I remember thinking, okay, time to see if Awaken 180 is what it's cracked up to be. And let me tell you, Post that consultation, there were no high-pressure sales, no gimmicks. I simply got it. It made sense. In just a few months, just one football season, I was down a whopping 100 pounds. That's three digits. Now here I am, two years later, still running strong and impressing my doctor at each visit. If you're still contemplating a change, consider Awaken 180. Call 844-346-1800. 
That's 844-346-1800. Or online at awaken180weightloss.com. Tight. It's never too early to talk football on Sunday. Coming to the game on Sunday. This is Sunday Kickoff with Alex Barth and Sarone Battle on 98.5 The Sports Hub. This is a huge damning thing to the franchise, a huge deal. Damning personally to Robert Kraft. You know, I couldn't believe it. I went right over to Bill and I said, let me ask you something, Bill. How important to us is something like that on a scale of one to a hundred? And he said to me, one. I said to him, then you're a real schmuck. Look, I was pissed with Bill, but when you have division from within, it can be very destructive and dangerous. So I protected Bill. I talked with the lawyers from the NFL office. I said, look, find Bill, find us, do whatever you got to do, but don't suspend him. We try to protect his reputation. That was from episode four of The Dynasty, when attention turned to Spygate. Uh, episodes three and four came out this week. Episode three focused, it was kind of back and forth. So it was a little bit on that that Steelers AFC Championship game. Then it went back to Kraft and Parcells and their falling out. And then Super Bowl 36, episode four was just all all Spygate and and the end of the, the should have been perfect season. To me, Sarone, look, I I knew the documentary was going to be warts and all. And, and, and look, that's you can't tell the story of the Dynasty Patriots without talking about things like Spygate and Deflategate. Yeah. And we know the Aaron Hernandez episode's coming next week. You can't tell the story without talking about those things. Mm-hmm. But the thing about warts and all is you also need the all. And it really feels like this is just starting to trend towards warts. I don't know how you gloss over two Super Bowls. And I like we had Jeff Bendict on two weeks ago, right? And he said, yeah, yeah. you know. I think people find the the relationships of it more interesting than the football itself, which I would say is very subjective. Mm-hmm. I don't think everybody feels that way. But even if that's what you're going for big picture, the the 03, I mean, the 04 team is one of the most dominant teams in NFL history. That's a huge reason, specifically defensively, that's a huge reason Belichick has the standing he does historically mm-hmm. were those early defenses back when you could actually play defense in the NFL. No mention of in how in 04 they changed the rules because yeah. of how Belichick was playing and how the, the Patriots' defense beat up the Colts' receivers in the playoffs. So, I look, again, if they want to do warts and all, fine. Call me a, a Patriots bobo if you want for all of it. If you want to do warts <laughs> and all, fine. You need the all. It can't just be warts. They didn't mention at all in the Deflategate episode. They're in the Spygate episode. Mm-hmm. That Eric Mangini was caught doing the same thing six months prior. Yeah. <laughs> so I I don't know. I, I, that bugged me. I just needed to vent about that for a second. I don't know if you felt the same way. But that bugged me. I I was upset that they because like you said the I think those two teams those two championship teams or three or four yeah were so important to the dynasty itself the winning that was a huge part of the winning and they spent a minute and a half on on both of them combined. And I think if you wanted the way they could have jumped into that, the way they focus a lot on the, Drew Bledsoe's got a lot of light in this series. He's, he's been he's been popped up a lot in the last first four episodes. I think if they would a way they could have threw it in there was the fact that Drew Bledsoe was then 
moved on to Buffalo. Yeah, I would have loved to hear about that. The Drew Bledsoe, Loyal Malloy in Buffalo beating the Loyal Malloy situation for Rodney Harrison. Yeah. I think both of those guys moving on and then had them beating the Patriots to start that season off and then the Patriots reeling off with 21 straight games after that point or whatever it was, I think would have been a, a cool part to jump into. And But I think they left the 0-4 team off because there was really no drama. I mean, it might have been, but not to the level of documentary drama. But I think they had to put – they had to find a way to get that 0-4 team. Yeah. And the only thing they showed was Rodney Harrison intercepting, you know, Donovan McNabb. And it was like, that's it? That's all we get out of but that? But they didn't say how Rodney got here. That's a famous that's, story. Yes. That's quintessential Belichick. I wanted to hear about the ground round. Yeah. Oh. I wanted to hear about the, the ground round. Look, if I was doing it, the ground round would have had its own episode. Personally, I used to love going there as a kid. Yes, yes, I do. But too. I still love the ground can, round. can we not get a, a ground round reference? And to your point, seriously, the Bledsoe trade specifically, Bill traded him in the division. If you're yeah. trying to paint this picture of Bill Belichick as this arrogant, can't go wrong coach, trading your $100 million all pro quarterback to a rival to a division rival fits right in. And that's an interesting story that, frankly, really doesn't get talked about. We know no. the story of how Brady replaced him here, and then he just kind of trails off in the grand scheme of the history books of the NFL. Yeah. I he made l- the Pro Bowl, too, in Buffalo. Right. I would love to hear about that trade. Yeah, I, and I, he was the, – the fact that you had Drew Bledsoe in it and Loyal Malloy right. in it, they could have talked about the emotions of being moved on to Buffalo. But, I mean, they, they left that whole part out. But I get it, this – 20 years of history and they have to squeeze it into, I don't know, 10 episodes, whatever it is. So something's going to be left out. But I think they could have given that 15 minutes. They at could, least. Absolutely. Give me 15 minutes today. Uh, look, and look, they got uh, Mike Martz. They could have gotten Greg Williams. I'm sure he'd have something interesting to say about that. The, the coach of the yeah. Bills that season. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I don't and, and to the people, people will, because I, I said this on Twitter and people say, oh, it's in the book. It's in the book. It's in the book. Right, we're not talking about the book. How many yeah. times do you go see a movie based on a book and get annoyed that the movie's different than the book? Yeah. That's essentially what this is, just with nonfiction. Right. Again, <laughs> the, the the one that really the two things that really got me glossing over those Super Bowls. They didn't need full episodes like 36 did, but glossing over those Super Bowls as much as they did and not giving not telling the full that 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 episode, and I, I don't know who the, the producers and directors root for but that episode to me felt like by and for new york sports fans that mm-hmm. was spygate as told by a new york jets fan that yeah. was super bowl 42 as told by a new york giants fan if you're a patriots fan that made your skin crawl and maybe that's <laughs> what they were going for maybe that's what yeah. they were going for but yeah, maybe it's it's it, we're not making this documentary to appeal to new england fans we're making this documentary to appeal to football fans. Right. But again, if you're going to do warts and all, just give me a little bit of all. At least yeah. give me a little bit of all if you're going to do warts and all. that's I don't think that's too much of an ask. Yeah. I mean, they, they could have just shown the – because those were – the Carolina Super Bowl was great. That was a great game, and I think they could have won more. That might be the most underrated Super Bowl of all time. Great game. The way it exploded in the second half like that, they could have focused on the second half of that game. The whole the, the the kicker kicking it out of bounds. There was crazy things that happened. And Jake DeLome, Rodney Harrison getting hurt, and then you know there's just so many little things. And I think a big game, a big moment was the where the beef with the 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 Steelers started with them beating the Steelers in Pittsburgh, 
And the Steelers saying then it played in the spy gate. Oh, there's no way they could have beat us. You know, we we destroyed them early in the well, season. How about and they beat the 21-game game. winning streak? Right. All that's, that. That's not a famous moment in NFL history, 21 wins in a row? Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I was mad that they didn't show that. Like I said, that's, that's my favorite Patriot team of all time was that 0-4 team. But yeah. Corey Dillon, the impact of Corey Dillon on that team, all that stuff, and I just think it, I was mad that none of that got any got any. Dion, how do you not have Dion Branch? <laughs> right. How do you not have the only good receiver Bill Belichick? He ever was. I think he was. Was he top one hundred? Wasn't he Super Bowl MVP yeah. both of those years? Uh, no, it was Brady. It's one Brady okay. was oh three. Branch was oh four. Come on, man! How do you not show the Super Bowl MVP in that documentary? But that's I don't know. And Branch is Branch is great. If you ever heard Branch do an interview, sit him down, let him tell stories. Yeah, I mean, he might have declined, and they might have, you know, just said, all right, we can't I, do this. I don't know how many guys, people but. declined. They're getting everybody did. You know what was great? And he was very brief. Dante Stallworth was awesome. Yeah, he, he, when his chin started shaking, man, <laughs> thinking about that game. I I, I, but I will say, like, <laughs> as, as much as that F, episode bugged me, didn't relive a little bit the FU Patriots, just how that team was out to destroy the entire world. And that yeah. wasn't the only time we got the FU Patriots. We got them in, in you know, Post Deflate Gate as well. I mi- yeah. I missed I missed that mentality. It was, and you saw one thing. I will say about that whole thing. Yeah, you saw them rally around Belichick. He was in the locker room smiling and high fiving as they were running the score up on everybody. And I'm literally watching it again. Like, hey, they're going to destroy everybody. Like they didn't. Like I didn't know they're going to lose to the Giants. But I, I think that was pretty cool the way they rallied and circled the wagons for Belichick and just lit people up after that. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is mostly about watching the game. Uh, having some food and some stuff. Yeah, great. Okay. I want to watch the game, but I also want to bet on the game. And I want to bet on other things in and around the game. Yeah, I'm the guy who will bet the anthem length. I'll place a wager or two or ten. That's what makes it so great on FanDuel because you can bet so many different ways on the Super Bowl. And new customers join today. You'll get $200 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, FanDuel.com slash Hardy. FanDuel.com slash Hardy. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Hope is here. Gambling helpline MA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Hey, it's Greg Bedard. Can you believe it? Two years ago, I took that crucial step. I called Awaken 180. I'd been hearing hosts on this station and even some buddies of mine going on about their amazing results, and I watched them transform before my eyes. I won't lie, seeing that scale hit 300 pounds was my personal red flag. I remember thinking, okay, time to see if Awaken 180 is what it's cracked up to be. And let me tell you, post that consultation, There were no high-pressure sales, no gimmicks. I simply got it. It made sense. In just a few months, just one football season, I was down a whopping 100 pounds. That's three digits. Now here I am, two years later, still running strong and impressing my doctor at each visit. If you're still contemplating a change, consider Awaken 180. Call 844-346-1800. That's 844-346-1800 or online at awaken180weightloss.com.
The Sports Hub On Demand content is brought to you by Miller Lite. Tip off every Celtics game all season long with a great-tasting ice-cold Miller Lite, the original light beer. Miller Lite, official partner of the 17-time world champion Boston Celtics. When it's game time, it's Miller time, Celtics fans.